Welcome to the Senedd Podcast. These are the First Minister's Questions. Thank you for listening. Afternoon is questions to the First Minister, and the first question is from Carwin Jones. Will the First Minister make a statement on the reforms to university student support? Athelwith Wales has the fairest, most progressive and sustainable student support system anywhere in the United Kingdom. It includes parity for part-time and postgraduate students. The Welsh Government's target of a 10% increase in the number of Welsh postgraduate students by the end of this Senedd term has already been achieved. Thank you, First Minister. Can I uh, congratulate the Government on uh, the success of the reform support packages for higher education. In particular, of course, we see an increase of more than 1,500 students who are now studying at post-grad level, and that shows that we continue in Wales to uh, produce uh, graduates of the highest calibre, and, of course, they contribute so much to us having a high-skills uh, economy. Uh, First Minister, do you uh, agree with me that this increase in postgraduate students is a sign of the success of the government in looking to build the skills pipeline that we need in order to create a high-quality, high-wage economy. Well, uh, thank Calvin Jones for that supplementary question. He's absolutely right, uh, to draw the link between the investment we make in the higher education sector and the future success of the Welsh economy. Uh, The figures that he points to are remarkable. They show a 7% increase in part-time students as a result of the policies followed by this government. They show a 9% increase in postgraduate students. And they they really are an investment, as Karen Jones has said, in the sort of skills that we will need in the Welsh economy in the future. And it comes from that key insight of the Diamond Review that it was living costs in the here and now, not tuition fees, that were the greatest barrier to people coming into higher education, both at undergraduate and postgraduate uh, level. And I know uh, that the member will be particularly uh, pleased because of the close interest he's always shown in this, in the decision to abolish means testing altogether for care leavers up to the age of 25, and the fact that we are consulting currently on potential changes to support for disabled uh, students to make sure that they too have as full and unfettered access to our our higher education system as we can design for them. Susie Davis. Uh, Uh, Well, this reminds me a little bit of the PISA results, which is a a welcome halt to a persistent downward trend, but still some way to go from where we were six years ago. Um, If we look at undergraduates, um, obviously uh, we're all going to welcome any growth in numbers in undergraduates, even though that's smaller than the growth in the number of postgraduates. But can you tell us somewhere about whether they're choosing to go to Wales universities? Because obviously part of the diamond dividend is supposed to be an improvement for the security of university funding, as well as improving numbers for, uh, or improving opportunities for Welsh students. Uh, I am curious to know whether the diamond dividend that you're expecting is actually what we've seen in the latest figures. Well, so the diamond dividend is there for anybody to see in the draft budget that we placed in front of the Assembly on the 16th of December, where we are reinvesting into higher education, the diamond uh, dividend, in exactly the way that the original report uh, suggested. Uh, I want Welsh young people to feel confident to study wherever they think their future would be best uh, enhanced. And that can be in Welsh universities, of course, with many, many brilliant 
departments and possibilities. But I want Welsh young people to be able to study elsewhere in the United Kingdom uh, as well. And I don't regard it as a measure of success or failure of the system, whether students decide to study in Wales or elsewhere. I want them in higher education. I want them to be where they think their future will be best secured. Beth Syed. Um, phase one of Diamond reforms, which is the student-facing reforms, are and have been implemented. Um, but um, we are talking here about phase two in relation to the institutional reforms. And I do welcome uh, the um, uptake in part-time students, and I do um, um, reflect the fact that this is improving in Wales. But I have spoken to some HE institutions that says, in line with uh, the increase in part-time students, many of them will have more complex needs, and they will need more investment from an institutional perspective. So what do you do? in that regard to ensure that higher education institutions are robust and resilient for the future here in Wales? Well, thanks to the member for that question and for her recognition of the way in which the Diamond uh, reforms have reached out to part-time students. I know it's a, an issue that she's raised before on the floor of the Assembly, and I'm sure she is right that people coming back into higher education through the part-time route will have many other things in their lives that they are juggling, many other demands that they are having uh, to meet, and higher education institutions have a responsibility to respond to those needs. It's why that is particularly highlighted in the remit letter that the Education Minister has supplied to the higher education sector uh, in Wales uh, this year. We are investing in those higher education uh, institutions. They are seeing the diamond uh, dividend. They must play their part as well in making sure that the help that they give to students from non-conventional backgrounds coming into higher education is good enough to make sure that those people can succeed. To Mike Hedges. Uh, what action is the Welsh Government taking to support children in poverty in Wales? I thank Mike Hedges for that question. The major levers for addressing child poverty remain firmly with the UK Government. The Welsh Government is focused on using devolved powers to leave more money in the pockets of families with children, particularly those children living in poverty. I thank the First Minister for response. Uh, I very much welcome that the Welsh Government has committed to additional funding for the Discretionary Assistance Fund, which has helped individuals and families during times of crisis and, quite frankly, destitution. To ensure the, the, the fund's long-term future, additional funding will be required. Will the First Minister outline his proposals for the fund in future years? Uh, well, thank Mike Hedges for that supplementary question. He is absolutely right to point to the success of the decision made here in the National Assembly to have a national uh, scheme. When the social fund was abandoned by the UK uh, Government here in Wales, we decided that we would have a fund that would be run on a Wales wide basis with no local lottery in it. In England, we know that many local authorities took the money that they were given when the social fund was broken up and provide no service for poor people with it at all. Here, we have helped 280,000 uh, applications to the fund since its inception. The budget has increased year on year in this Assembly term. It was £7 million in the first year of this Assembly term. It's £11.2 million in this year. It went up £2 million in this financial year. It will go up by another million pounds in the next financial year. The number of applications has gone up remarkably quickly in an age of austerity. 65,000 applications in the first year of this Assembly term, 
160,000 in this financial year to the end of December. So it's going to be more than 100,000 additional applicants uh, to uh, the fund. And not only have we sustained it, Llawydd, uh, by more money to keep the fund available to people, but we've extended its scope uh, as well. Uh, we've made sure that it can respond to the needs of refugees and asylum seekers here in Wales. We've made sure it's available to people who are discharged from prison with absolutely no possessions uh, at all. Uh, I wish there wasn't a need for a discretionary assistance fund. I wished that the social security system provided people with enough to be able to meet their needs without this final safety net of the welfare state. But while it is needed, here in Wales we go on investing in it and making sure that those whose needs are the very toughest in our society have somewhere in Wales that they can go. Jonathan Saunders. Wales was the only UK nation to see a rise in child poverty in 2017-18. And of course, poverty is considered a contributory factor to children ending up in care. Last week, Cardiff University published the results of a survey of school students aged 11, 11 to 16. They show that young people in residential care had the lowest mental wellbeing score, that 56% had been exposed to bullying, that more than a third had been badly affected by alcohol in the past 30 days, and that nearly a third had used cannabis in the last month. Your government seems to be failing our most vulnerable young people, children in care. So what responsibility will you take and what urgent action will you take to ensure that stronger support is provided to help improve the lives of our children in our care system? So it takes an extraordinary ability to distort the facts to provide a, a question of that sort. Because of the decisions of the members' government in Westminster, the Institute of Fiscal Studies... I, I, know, I, see, I see that the minute you provide some real facts, the opposition think that the answer is to muddy the waters by muttering. The Institute of Fiscal Studies tell us that because of the actions of Conservative governments since 2010, there will be 50,000 more children in poverty in Wales in 2020 than they were in 2010. Are you not ashamed? Are you not really and deeply ashamed of the fact that the direct result of cuts in benefits to families living on the breadline by your government produces 50,000 children who have only one childhood to live, having to live that childhood in Wales in poverty. If you are a child in Wales being brought up in a single-parent family, the direct results of the decisions that your government has made mean that that family has £3,720 less to manage on, to provide for that child, to give that child the future that that child uh, deserves. That's the truth of the matter behind the question that the member raises. I wish there were fewer children uh, in care in Wales. I want to work with local authorities to do everything we can to reduce the number of children who have to be taken away from their families. But is it any wonder that families struggle 
and cannot do what they want to do for their children, when every single week they have tens and tens of fewer pounds to manage with because of the actions that the Conservative Government in Westminster have deliberately and callously uh, taken. Well, the, the First Minister is, of course, right to point out that many of the levers for tackling child poverty do at present reside with the Westminster Government, and I was pleased to hear what he had to say about the Discretionary Assistance Fund in his response to Mike Hedges. But I wonder if the First Minister will agree with me that the most effective way to deal with children growing up in poverty is to put money into their parents, particularly their mothers' pockets. I take that from what he's just said to Janet Finch-Saunders. And I wonder if he'd agree with me that now we do face another five years of a Boris Johnson-led government. We cannot expect... Well, I'm very glad that Janet Finch-Saunders thinks that's a good idea because I can tell you that the single mothers in the region that I represent would not, on the whole, agree with her. But given that that is the case at Llywydd, I wonder if the First Minister would agree with me that now is the time to look at making urgent progress on what we can do to seek further devolution of the benefit system to Wales so that we can use our discretion. You know, we have the evidence that suggests that devolution of the benefit system could, in fact, take pressure off the Welsh budget for some of the reasons that he's just described in his response to Janet Finch-Saunders. So I wonder if he would uh, be prepared to commit today to looking to make urgent progress in seeking to devolve some of those key levers that currently do not rest in the hands of this place so that we can put money into parents, particularly mothers' pockets, and lift some more of our children out of, ben uh, out of poverty, because we certainly can't, as he's just said himself, rely on the other end of the, of the M4 corridor to do that for us. Well, thank the member for that question. And I, I agree with the first point she makes, that putting money into the pockets of people who live in poverty is the best answer to the poverty uh, that they experience. It's why there's £19 million extra in our draft budget for families living in those circumstances, on top of all the things that this government already does, from the council tax reduction scheme through to Families First and Flying Start. I've always, myself, uh, made a distinction between the administration of the benefit uh, system and the devolution of it. I believe that the benefit system ought to be are part of the glue that holds the United Kingdom uh, together, that it's a way in which uh, the better off make their contribution so that the less uh, well-off are able to enjoy the chances that they themselves have been fortunate enough to have in their lives. The administration of the benefit uh, system has been the subject of work in the Local Government uh, Committee. We have commissioned work from, for the Wales Centre of, for Public uh, Policy and given the fact of another five years of a Conservative government, uh, I agree that working on that agenda has a new urgency. Question in Questions now from the party leaders. Leader of the Opposition, Paul Davis. Uh, First Minister, your party colleague and MP for Wigan, Lisa Nandy, made it clear that she believes that people in North Wales do not feel devolution is working for them. First Minister, is she right? Uh, well, so I had the advantage of the member in being in the room uh, when that question was answered. Uh, had he wished to be there, we would no doubt have found a ticket for him, uh, provided he was willing to pay for it. Uh, and what, the, uh, what Lisa Nandy, the MP for Wigan, was saying was this, uh, that people throughout the United Kingdom, when they live at a geographical distance from where decisions are made, 
can feel disconnected from that decision. Uh, and she was pointing to people who live in Wigan compared to decisions made in London. And she was saying that people who live in other parts of Wales can feel disconnected from decisions made here. And I don't disagree with her. I think geography does matter. I think when people live further away from decisions, it's harder for them to feel connected uh, to them. And I think that is true anywhere in the United Kingdom and anywhere distance is at play. And in that uh, leadership hustings, I was very encouraged to hear a whole range of ideas as to how we can reconnect citizens with the important decisions that are made in their lives, ideas we can use here in Wales, idea that governments elsewhere in the United Kingdom should also be attending to. Well, Lisa Landy might think that devolution isn't working, First Minister, but we all know that it's not devolution that's the problem. It's the party running the Welsh yeah, Government yeah, that's the real yeah. problem, and that's why we need change. Now, First Minister, the people of North Wales feel rightly let down by your Government and frustrated at the lack of progress being made to tackle the issues that matter most to them, particularly when it comes to health services. It should be a great source of embarrassment and concern that Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board is the worst performing health board when it comes to A&E waiting times, with just 66.8% of patients being seen within the critical four-hour period. Indeed, Dr Mark Payne, the clinical director of Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board, told staff in an email that the 20th of January was the worst start to a day he had seen in 13 years working at Aspetti Gwynedd. First Minister, do you accept that the A&E waiting times at Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board are a cause for concern? And can you tell us what urgent action your government is now taking to turn around this poor performance, given that you are directly in charge of this yeah, health yeah. board? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, shall we accident and emergency departments across the United Kingdom have been under pressure over this winter and Betsy Cadwallader performs a great deal better than many A&E departments uh, under the control of his party across the border in England. Uh, yeah, I, I, know, I know they don't like it when you tell them uh, the facts of the matter, but that is the fact. You quote Betsy Cadwallader's figures to me as though they were a direct uh, connection between a political party and those results. If that's the case, how come, where his party is in charge, results are far worse in many places? The system is under pressure. It's under pressure everywhere. Uh, things in Betty Cadwallader have uh, been resilient over this winter to those pressures. There are days, there are days when the pressures are greater than they have ever been. And that is true in Betsy Cadwallader as in other parts uh, of the country. Uh, what I think is remarkable is the resilience of the staff to that, the resilience of those staff to the criticisms that they constantly hear uh, from his uh, party, that they go on providing that service to patients across North Wales in accident and emergency departments, in elective care, in primary care, in the work of the ambulance uh, service. Yes, the pressures are real. The response to them is real as well. I know, First Minister, you don't want to talk about your own failures, but you are directly responsible for running the health service in North Wales, and clearly you are failing yeah, yeah. to do so. Now, last week you said that we want a culture 
in the NHS in Wales, where when things go wrong, people feel empowered to speak up. But yet, whenever anyone raises an issue or scrutinises your record, like today, you tell us we're dragging the NHS through the mud. And let me remind you of the recent Psychological Therapies Review in North Wales report, which showed significant unwarranted variation in provision, access, team working practices and culture amongst the multidisciplinary workforce at all levels, unacceptably, unacceptably long waits in some areas and a lack of strategic clarity and oversight at health board and divisional levels. It really doesn't get any more damning than that, First Minister. Now, we know that Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board is set to post a deficit of £35 million in this financial year. That is £10 million above the target set by your own government. And that's in spite of almost £83 million that has already been spent on intervention and improvement support. First Minister, given that the Health Board has been in special measures since June 2015 and is under your direct control, how exactly now will you turn around the unacceptably high waiting times for A&E services in North Wales? How will you address the lack of improvement in mental health following the serious failings identified in the Psychological Therapies Review? And what urgent action will you now take to address the current leadership and the ongoing special measures arrangements to actually deliver service improvements that the people of North Wales actually deserve? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with well, I'm aware of the Psychological Therapies uh, Report because it was a report commissioned by the Health Board. And when I said last week that I want a culture in the NHS uh, where people feel willing to speak out, are willing to talk openly about the challenges uh, they face, organising that report by the Board itself is an example of what I was talking about. It is the Board itself recognising that there is a challenge. It is the Board commissioning a report. It is the Board learning from its staff about things that need to be better for the future. And I think that is a good sign of the board being willing to work with its staff to learn from them and to find a plan to make improvements alongside other improvements in mental health. Because the member paid not a moment's heed to the work that has gone on in Betsy Cadwallader to improve mental health uh, services which have been improved in many different aspects. Psychological therapies is one aspect. You choose one aspect and you've never got a good word to say for it. When there was an opportunity for you to do so, when you could have recognised the work that has gone on by clinicians to improve aspects of mental health services, you've never got a generous word to say for everything they do and everything that is done for patients. And so it, I will give patients in North Wales this assurance that whereas his party uh, continuously criticises us for providing the funding to that health board to go on providing services to patients in North Wales, that while we expect and while we work with the health board to bear down on the deficit uh, that it has run up, and while we are disappointed that it hasn't been able to make all the progress we wanted to see uh, made this year, this government always steps in to make sure 
that the impact of that is not felt by patients, uh, that they are not disadvantaged by that. We find the money. We find the money from within our budget here. We will do it again this year, and that is a symbol of our determination to go on providing a service for patients in North Wales. Who is responsible for making the accident and emergency service at uh, the Royal Glamorgan Hospital unsafe? Services at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital are the responsibility of the Local Health Board, uh, and it is the Local Health Board which is taking action with its local population, with those people who represent people in that locality, to. Darren Miller, I'm sorry to name you, but you seem to be the, mo the most vocal person in this chamber this afternoon. Um, so please allow the First Minister to respond to Plaid Cymru. I did, I did allow you to uh, carry on with your uh, vocalisation during questions by your own leader, but I won't allow it to carry on by questions from another party's leader. Adam Price. Oh, no, the First Minister was answering. I'll finish the sentence. Uh, the Health Board is responsible for those services. It must work with its local politicians, its local population, its local clinicians to make a plan for that service for the future. The Health Minister's responsibilities are listed on your own government's website as having oversight of NHS delivery and performance. Therefore, there can be no doubt as to who is responsible for allowing the situation at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital to deteriorate. Staffing levels at all three of Cumtav Morganogzain units are well below UK-wide standards. The UK average is 7,000 people to everyone consulted. Uh, it's 15,000 to one in Cumtav Morganog Health uh, Board. Uh, the Royal College uh, uh, of Emergency Medicine recommends that a hospital about the size of Royal Glamorgan should have around 10 consultants. Why have you allowed it to get to this stage? I mean, during the, the recent general election, Labour's Shadow Health Secretary, Jonathan Ashworth, highlighted, and I quote, the extreme and catastrophic risk as, as a result of losing some 24-hour services in the northeast of England. His answer, we pledge that within the first 100 days of a Labour government, we will get on top of this. You've been in charge in Wales, not for 100 days, but for 20 years. Where have you been? Uh, so with, uh, the figures that the member quoted at the start of uh, his supplementary question are entirely wrong. Uh, he is dividing uh, the wrong thing by the wrong thing. Uh, but in, in a way, it's not, it's not the issue, but I think he ought to look carefully when he does quote figures that he tries to get them accurate because he is very inaccurate in what he has said. Uh, the real issue, uh, though, is this. The Welsh Government funds the National Health Service at record levels. We have more consultants working in the National Health Service in Wales than ever before. We have more A&E consultants working in the Health Service than ever before. We have a pipeline of A&E consultants of the future being produced in the Welsh NHS through the training systems uh, that we have. Right across the United Kingdom, there is a shortage of consultants to work in accident and emergency uh, departments. The Welsh Government works every day to try to put that right here in Wales. In, um, 
In, in creating the, the NHS in 1948, uh, uh, Nairin Bevan won an argument around the Cabinet table uh, uh, against the likes of Herbert Morrison uh, that regional boards within the NHS had to be accountable to and working under the direction of a health minister, otherwise it would not be a national health service, hence the famous apocryphal quote about dropped pe uh, bedpans in Tredega reverberating around the corridors of Whitehall. Your argument uh, yesterday that the decision as to whether to downgrade a and &E services at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital is primi primarily a matter for clinicians, not politicians, is against the founding principles of the NHS, it's against the founding principles of this Senate, it's even against the core values of your own party, which is why so many of your own members are joining with Plaid Cymru and others in ignoring your advice to protest against these, these changes. Aren't the people of the Rhondda, the Central Valleys, and indeed the rest of Wales entitled to expect a First Minister that will intervene on their behalf instead of simply saying, nothing to do with me? Well, the people of the Rhondda and the people who use the Royal Glamorgan Hospital are absolutely entitled to make sure that their views are known, that they, through their local representatives, they engage with the health board, they make sure that the health board provides them with information, that they feed ideas to the health board. Of course they are right to have that engaged relationship with the decision-making. The point I made yesterday, and I make it again this afternoon, that when a decision has to be made as to whether a service is safe, whether it is of the right quality, whether it is sustainable into the future, then the right people to ask about that when the decision comes to be made, not while the decision is in preparation, are the people who are experts in the service that is being provided. Uh, and I think that is a really important principle, that if you want to know whether a cardiac service is safe and sustainable, then you'd be better off getting your advice from people who are experts in cardiac surgery. Leader of the Brexit Party, Mark Reckless. Now we have left the EU, could I ask you, First Minister, about how Welsh Government should be consulted on future trade agreements and what your priorities are? Of course, if the UK Government had listened to you before when you said tariffs would devastate the UK car industry by causing it to relocate to the EU, they might be surprised by this week's news. Uh, PSA, who make Persian Citro and Citroen and Vauxhall marks, say they would respond to tariffs with the EU by stepping up the company's presence in um, the UK at Ellesmere Port, where, of course, many in northeast Wales work. Meanwhile, Nissan plan to shut EU plants and relocate production to the UK, aiming to quintuple their share of the market from 4% to 20%, displacing EU imports. Despite this, are you, as First Minister, saying that the UK government should have to agree its trade policy with you in effect, a veto. So, uh, we left the European Union on Friday of last week. I think it's a little early by Tuesday of this week to have already decided what its impacts uh, will be, particularly as there are no tariffs and there are no non-tariff barriers at the moment because we are still in the transition uh, period. So, I think he will have to let a little more time to go before he can tell uh, whether his rosy view of the future will turn out to be uh, delivered. Uh, my view of the right relationship between the UK Government and devolved administrations across the United Kingdom is that when the UK Government comes to frame its negotiating mandate and its negotiating position 
with other countries, whether that is the EU or with other uh, third countries, the, the UK government's hand would be strengthened if it was able to say to those who it is negotiating with that what it says represents not just the views of the UK government, but of other governments across the United Kingdom. And that therefore that structures should be put in place to allow that to be attempted and that the attempt should be made honestly and genuinely by all parties concerned. I think that will be right for Wales. I think it will be right for the United Kingdom as well. Thank you. Uh, of course, it's not, not me who's saying these things, but the uh, car companies, as reported in the Financial Times. But it not, should not be a surprise that when the EU sells 265 billion of goods to us, and we only sell 170 billion of goods to them, if you make trade more expensive through tariffs, the production would relocate on a net basis from the EU to the UK in light of those tariffs. Uh, I would prefer to see free trade and I would also support I think broadly what the First Minister has just said. I think there had been suggestions before of UK government having to agree its uh, uh, approach but to the extent the First Minister is talking about consultation I support him in that and agree that the UK government's hand would be strengthened if there was wide support for its negotiating stance. I would however caution the First Minister against assuming he'd have support in Wales for confronting the UK government on this issue. We're reminded today that support for abolishing this place is greater than support for independence. Yet your minister, Ken Skates, has just written to members of parliament to tell them to change rail devolution, and I quote, to address concerns being raised by the growing independence movements in both Scotland and Wales. First Minister, surely it's preposterous to pressurise the UK government as if you're Cardiff's Nicola Sturgeon. Well, Sarith, uh, I have no policy of confrontation with the UK government or with the Scottish or with the Northern Irish government uh, either. Uh, the Welsh government comes through the door in all the discussions that we have looking to be a positive contributing uh, member of those intergovernmental uh, discussions. Where I differ from him, however, is this is that when our interests are different to those of the UK government, of course, we will always speak up for them. And nothing will stop us from making sure that when we think that something is in the interests of Wales, whether that is in car manufacturing, whether that is in the way that rail uh, funding is organised across the United Kingdom, then we will do our job. We will stand up to that responsibility and we will never leave them in any doubt. Not because we are looking for confrontation, but because we have a job of work to do, which means that this Senate is here to represent people's views in Wales, and we must do that without fear of any contradiction by others. Question three, Vic Question three Vicky Howell. How is the Welsh Government supporting the regeneration of towns in Wales? I thank the member for that. The Deputy Minister for Housing and Local Government's Transforming Towns announcement last week set out the significant investment the Welsh Government makes in supporting the regeneration of towns across Wales. We now intend to adopt and promote a town centre-first approach to new developments. 
Thank you for your answer, First Minister. I was really pleased to hear about the package of measures brought together under the Transforming Towns agenda. And they show, I believe, the Welsh Government's commitment to towns like Mountain Ash and Aberdeen in my constituency. Now, with my interest in the vacant land tax, it will come as no surprise to you that I particularly welcome the additional £13.6 million funding to tackle empty and dilapidated buildings and land. Can the First Minister say a little more about this, especially in the context of the recent consultation on compulsory purchase orders, which uh, will give local authorities enhanced powers to drive this forward and to tackle urban blight? Uh, well, thank Vicky Howells uh, for that. Thank her for her recognition of the Transforming Towns uh, package and the way that it will reach into towns in her constituency. Uh, and the members' interest in vacant land tax is uh, well known, having led debates on it here on the floor of the Assembly. Uh, so if my view is that most empty properties and undeveloped sites in Wales can be remedied by agreed actions between owners, developers and public authorities. Uh, that's why we're putting £10 million into bringing empty homes uh, in Wales back into beneficial use. Uh, that's why our 40 million stalled sites fund works with developers and owners to be able to invest in those sites th so that they have a new commercial value. But right across Wales, we have buildings that stand stubbornly empty, where their owners have often disappeared, uh, where attempts by public authorities to reach out to them so that the blight caused by those empty properties can be remedied has no answer. That's why we have a £13.6 million fund to tackle empty and dilapidated buildings and lands, and that's why we need strengthened compulsory purchase orders to give local authorities the power they need when persuasion has broken down, when all the efforts of public authorities make to try to bring about improvement on an agreed basis where those buildings and those empty pieces of land cause a blight on other communities prevent the regeneration of town centres public authorities need the money we are giving them and the powers we will supply to them to take decisive action a vital step towards regenerating town centres has to be taking firm action to deal with the terrible plight of homelessness, which causes so much great suffering to vulnerable people and has a very visible impact on town centres and city centres. Now, new figures on homelessness released by the Welsh Government today do show an increase in rough sleeping. I know it's only a snapshot, but they do suggest an increase of around 20% for a two-week period in October 29 compared with the previous year and I note that Newport and Caerphilly fare particularly badly. Now, First Minister, the answer isn't criminalising vulnerable homeless people, surely, and taking away their meagre possessions, as some councils are doing, but surely the answer is properly funding homelessness services and implementing a robust action plans such as the one put forward by the crisis organisation. So could you tell me, please, what steps your government will be taking to deal with this increasingly desperate problem of homelessness on Welsh streets? Uh, well, thank the member for that question. Completely agree with her, of course, that criminalisation is not the answer to homelessness and rough uh, sleeping. Thank uh, the member as well for drawing attention to the figures published today. Some members here will remember the debate we had last year when the figures went down, when there was a general feeling from people's lived experience of seeing the rise in uh, street homelessness 
uh, that it was hard to square a falling figure with what we uh, are seeing. And as a result of the discussions we had here, the methodology for this year uh, has been revised and improved. And I think you can see some of that in the figures that were published uh, today. They show, as ever, uh, a mixed picture. Five local authorities showing falls uh, in the number of rough sleepers, including Gwynedd, Wrexham and Cardiff, with significant falls and then rises uh, in other parts of Wales as well. The Welsh Government is investing record sums in responding to homelessness. We have new uh, ways in which we are trying to respond to rough sleeping through the Housing First uh, initiative that is already uh, helping over 60 people over this winter to go directly uh, into accommodation. We do it in the teeth of the gale of austerity, uh, which is what under, the underlying cause of people losing their homes, losing their livelihoods, finding themselves in this desperate uh, situation. We will use the figures published uh, today to work with our colleagues in local authorities in the third sector to see what more can be done using the report that was commissioned by Julie James for this winter, chaired by the Chief Executive of Crisis, so we can learn lessons from elsewhere as well. Question, Question for Leanne. What is the Welsh Government doing to train and recruit medical consultants for hospitals? Uh, thank the Member for that. Question, so we're through additional investment in our workforce, health boards and trusts in Wales employ more NHS consultants than at any time previously. The overall hospital consultant workforce has grown by more than 10% over the last five years. We all know about the uh, consultants shortage, but the local ratio locally of 15,000 people to one consultant is more than twice as bad as the UK average of 7,000. And First Minister, those figures are not wrong, because those figures were being quoted just last night in a public meeting by health board officials. And this gets to the very heart of the question uh, at uh, the Royal Glamorgan Hospital, which looks set to lose 24-hour consultant-led services. So at a packed meeting uh, that Plaid Cymru organised in, in Porth last night, the anger and frustration from people was palpable. False assurances have been given in the past about hospital services. Just eight months ago, in June of last year, I asked you to give guarantees about the future of A&E at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital and the recruitment of unfilled posts. And in reply to me, you said, and I quote, where people move on and people do get new jobs and go further in their careers, these posts will be replaced. They will be replaced, we hope, by substantive posts and a number of expressions of interest for vacancies at the Royal Glamorgan have already been received and are being considered by the Health Board. If we have to fill those posts on a temporary basis by locum appointments, then that is what we will do. That is the future for that emergency department, and I'm very glad to have had the opportunity to put that on record here this afternoon. Can you, First Minister, tell the people in the Rhonda what has changed since last June? Can you tell me why you were prepared to give those assurances then, but you're now advising local politicians to stay out of the discussion about the future of the Royal Glamorgan's A&E department? Well, sorry, let me repeat what I said earlier. Uh, my advice to local politicians is that they should play an active and engaged part in the debate that will now be carried out by the local health board. I know my colleague uh, Mick Antonew and others have been holding meetings with their constituents 
and that is exactly the role that local politicians should play in making sure that the views, the possibilities that people might be able to contribute to the discussion, that all of that is well known and properly uh, debated. Uh, when I spoke in June of last year, uh, I said uh, what I said because it was the position at the time uh, that the local health board were attempting to recruit substantively to vacancies. If they weren't able to recruit substantively, that they would aim to recruit locum consultants in their place. That is what the health board was doing then. It's what the health board has done uh, in uh, the interim. There comes a point when local clinicians believe that continuing the current service is not viable, would not be safe for patients, and they wanted to discuss alternatives with their local population. Uh, I hope that the Health Board will take every step to make sure that it engages directly with local representatives and local patients as part of that. But given that that is the conclusion they have reached, they are surely right to have that conversation. Angela Burns. Uh, the member for Rhonda uh, rightly raises the amount of or numbers of patients that each consultant has to deal with. But of course another issue is about the spread of consultants across specialisms. If we're looking to be effective in outcomes and effective in the deployment of money, then one of the things we must ensure is that when a patient comes into hospital, they do not then submit to the revolving door syndrome where they leave because something is fixed, but actually they had a number of things wrong with them, a number of conditions, or a mental health issue, and then just a month later or a few months later, they are readmitted again under a different consultant. And this is partly driven by the fact that so many consultants are very specialism-driven. First Minister, can you please tell me what um, HEIW might be doing to ensure that we look at patients in a more holistic way by employing more general medical consultants in hospital, more orthogeriatricians, for example, elderly people, you know, they go in because they've broken a hip, but they actually then develop pneumonia or they have mental health issues, dementia, that's not picked up, bank, they're back in again. It doesn't help the NHS, it doesn't help the person to stay at home, and if we are, while we had them there, we dealt with them in an effective way, instead of just focusing on one issue, I believe that we could transform some elements of our services within hospitals, and I'd be interested to hear your uh, thank you, Chloe. So, I, I had hoped not to um, take time up putting this on the record, but I, it's the third time these figures have been mentioned, so I feel that I must. Uh, the ratio of consultants to patients in England is derived by dividing the number of people attending major accident and emergency departments by the number of consultants. The figure coded for Wales is derived by dividing the number of consultants into the people who attend all accident emergency departments and minor injury units as well. And given that thousands and thousands of people attend minor injury units, it is no surprise that if you divide consultants into a different sort of total, you come up with a different sort of result. So I didn't want to have to go into all of that, but that's why I said in answer to Adam Price that the figure he quoted was not to be relied upon because it is comparing apples and pears and it really you know as i said it wasn't it wasn't for me the central point of what he said but given that it's been twice repeated since i just want to make sure that people understand the basis of the figures that have been quoted and why they're not a reliable comparison in any way to the substantive point that angela burns uh, makes which i think is a very important one uh, 
Uh, when I was the Health Minister, uh, I worked with UK Health Ministers on a report that the UK Minister had commissioned from the Vice-Chancellor of Sheffield University, as I recall, uh, that proposed a new cadre of generalist consultants working with older people. Now, in many parts of what the Health Service does, the trend of the last 20 years to have ever greater subspeciality is in the interests of patients. Uh, if you are going for an orthopaedic operation, you'd rather have it from somebody who is a specialist in the particular procedure rather than somebody who has a go at everything. Uh, but when it comes to older people, in the way that Angela Byrne said, people present with a whole variety of different conditions that have an impact upon one another. And what you don't want, I believe, is that patient being handed from one slice of speciality to another. You need a doctor trained as part of that new cadre of generalists. I think the truth is, is that effort, which I, you know, I say you know, her government had uh, a leading hand in generating, didn't make the traction that, it went, that we had hoped. And that's largely because the thrust of general colleges is in the opposite direction. And we have to do more to persuade the profession as well that the nature of medicine for older people needs a different sort of response than the one that has been the dominant trend for nearly 20 years. Question Pimp, Don. Question 5, Don Bowden. Will the First Minister provide an update on the delivery of the Integrated Care Fund? Uh, thank the Member for that. Across the whole of Wales, the £124 million Integrated Care Fund brings together health, social care and housing services, supports multidisciplinary working, focuses on innovation, prevention and early intervention, and helps people live their lives in their own way. Uh, thank you, First Minister. Now, the um, investment in the Integrated Care Fund and the progress it has delivered, uh, I believe, is a key part of the whole system approach that Wales needs to meet the demands on hospital and care services. And I've seen examples in my own constituency of the fund supporting a more seamless transition between health and care and breaking down some of the barriers that can be a burden both for patients and their families. But as the annual report for 2018-19 makes clear, the lessons which arise and the best practice being delivered must be adopted at pace. So what further actions can your government take to ensure the lessons from the Integrated Care Fund are delivered across a wider range of services? Uh, well, thank the member for that question. Thank you for uh, the recognition of the work that the Integrated Care Fund has done in the member's own constituency. I'm sure that she is familiar with the Stay Well at Home service that operates uh, in Merthyr and the work that is being done in the Rumney value through the fund to improve services to people with learning disabilities. Uh, there are a range of things, Llywydd, that the Welsh Government does to make sure that the lessons of the fund are spread across Wales. We have strengthened the membership of the regional partnership boards in the last year by making sure that housing is directly represented on the board because so many of the lessons are lessons that are best implemented in collaboration with housing services. Uh, we hold an annual uh, event where people from across Wales come together to make sure they share the learning from the fund over the previous 12 months. Uh, and as it happens, that annual event will happen on Wednesday uh, of next week. And we retain a small amount of the Integrated Care Fund revenue funding every year 
to promote nationally those projects that have been most outstandingly successful at a local level and where we are sure that that idea, that new initiative deserves to be delivered right across Wales. Russell George. By the First Minister last year, um, I noted the Wales Audit Office found that the impact of the Integrated Care Fund in improving outcomes for service users remained unclear uh, and there was little uh, evidence of successful projects being mainstreamed uh, into core budgets. So can I ask, how has the Welsh Government implemented the recommendations which the Wales Audit Office made um, and what work has been done to align specifically the use of uh, integrated uh, care fund capital and revenue funding to provide, of course, cap uh, packages of care that will improve uh, outcomes for service users? Uh, well, I think that is a uh, slightly selective reading of the WAO uh, report that had many positive things to say about the fund and the impact that it has had uh, across Wales. Of course, it provides recommendations of how things can be uh, done better, and we take that uh, seriously. We wish we had a three-year budget from the UK uh, government so that we could provide the sort of certainty to service providers on the ground that the WA report, WAO report provide, uh, proposed uh, to us. On the specific issue of aligning capital and revenue purposes of uh, the fund, then just to give the member just one example, uh, that in the Gwent uh, area, the capital funding is being used to provide a new five-bedded uh, respite home for children with profound uh, physical and mental health uh, needs. And it's doing that because the basis of the fund has been broadened in recent years. It began, as those members who are part of setting it up will uh, remember, it began very specifically as an initiative to prevent older people being admitted to hospital or to accelerate their discharge. We now use it for a wider range of purposes, including the needs of children with very severe health needs. Six, Thank you, Presiding Officer. First Minister, will you make a statement on A&E provisions in Cross South, South Wales Central? Uh, thank the member for that. Accident and emergency departments across the United Kingdom, including South Wales Central, have seen significant increases in demand over this winter season. While the system remains busy, it continues to respond every day to the needs of patients. I appreciate you've answered this question on several occasions so far this afternoon, but you can appreciate this is the major issue in my region at the moment, the provision of accidents and emergency at the Royal Morgan Hospital. Last week in the urgent question, or the topical question that was put to the Health Minister, I made the point that strategic direction for the health service here in Wales is in the hands of the Welsh Government and the Health Minister. Day-to-day -day running is the Health Board, in this particular instance, CUMTAF. You could stop the closure of the A&E provision at Royal Glamorgan Hospital and instruct that health board to have a long-term plan to sustain the services there. The reason consultants haven't gone into the Royal Glamorgan Hospital is because it has had a closure notice over it since the South Wales programme was instigated back in 2014. Will you now not live up to your responsibility as a Welsh Government and take hold of this situation because the strategic importance here is to maintain accident and emergency provision at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital, or will you turn your back on the people who rely on that provision in that hospital and say no and allow that provision to be taken away against the wishes of your colleagues on your backbench and colleagues across this chamber who have campaigned vigorously with local communities to maintain that service? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm happy to answer 
another question on this uh, matter, and I'll try and extract the serious point that I think was there in the member's question. Uh, the strategic direction that the Welsh Government provides to the health service in Wales is that the services that are provided must be safe, they must be of a sufficient quality, and they must be sustainable. I agree that the, with the member's point that the South Wales programme has provided the surrounding context for services at the Royal Glamorgan, and I agree, if this was the point that he was making, that when the local health board come to consider the future uh, of those services at the Royal Glamorgan, they need to revisit the context six years on from the South Wales programme to make sure that the decisions are being made with the most up-to-date information that is available to them. But people on the ground closest to those services, expert in the clinical work that an accident and emergency department has to carry out, have to be the people who, in the end, make decisions based on the strategic direction that the government sets for them. And that is that those services must be safe, they must be sustainable, and they must be of sufficient quality. And I hope that we will listen to what the clinicians say to us on all of that once they have been informed by all the views that local uh, members from all sides uh, of this chamber convey to the board on behalf of the populations they represent. Vicky Howells. First Minister, it is a fact that there is a national shortage of A&E consultants across England and Wales, but it is my very firm belief that in such challenging circumstances, health boards, and in particular Cumtaf Morgano University Health Board, must approach recruitment strategically if they are to be successful. For example, advertising for for permanent, not temporary positions and drawing up contracts which means that consultants are not tied to one hospital but can be contractually obliged to move between two or more sites to help meet changing demands. Do you, First Minister, agree with me on that? Uh, I do agree with the final point that the member has made, uh, that we need to look at the contract. Uh, I hope that the BMA will be willing to enter into discussions and negotiations with the Welsh Government about the hospital uh, consultant contract here uh, in Wales to see if there are new flexibilities that can be negotiated with the workforce. Uh, this is a workforce who uh, are organised, who have unions who speak on their uh, behalf, who have a contract that people have signed up to. I agree with what Vicky Howells has said, that the contract could do to be revisited, that we could do to have those discussions with the BMA about new flexibilities, and I hope that they will be able, they will be willing to come to the table to conduct those negotiations. Minister, the Royal Glamorgan Hospital is in my constituency. In the Taff Ely area, there has been massive housing expansion, and over the course of the next decade or so, there is likely to be in the region of an extra 20,000 new homes. The demography has changed very significantly since the original South Wales programme. Do you agree with me that any uh, clinical review of the provision of accidents and emergency should take account of such significant demographic changes? Uh, well, thank the member uh, for that. And 
I uh, echo the answer I gave uh, earlier in this question, that in making decisions six years on from the South Wales uh, programme, it is important that those decisions are made uh, in the most up-to-date set of understandings about the current context. Things will have changed in those uh, six years. Demographic chain, uh, trends will have changed. House building uh, will have changed. I expect the Health Board to take account of all of those things as it makes decisions, so that its decisions are made, exactly as McAntony has said, in the light of contemporary circumstances. Question 7, Neil Hamilton. What discussions has the First Minister had regarding Wales' constitutional status within the United Kingdom? I uh, thank the Member for that. I have had a number of discussions on strengthening the United Kingdom and Wales' place within it. Respecting devolution, as supported by the people of Wales in successive referendums, is fundamental to ensuring the continuation of the Union. Is it not clear from the questions we've had today from all parts of the House that uh, devolution over the last 20 years of Labour government has comprehensively failed and that this is a message which has percolated through to the Welsh people because there's been a substantial increase in support in the latest YouGov poll, both for full independence on the one hand and also for abolishing the Assembly on the other. Over 20 years, we've seen Wales sink to the bottom of the heap in terms of income in the United Kingdom amongst the home nations. We've heard the litany of failures in the NHS, which the First Minister is keen to ascribe to the United Kingdom government, which has no responsibility for the day-to-day -day running of the health service. But it does give him a convenient opportunity to pass the buck and therefore avoid taking responsibility. The education system, we're consistently at the bottom of the PISA league tables. He was a keen advocate of a people's vote during the referendum campaign on the EU and we had to wait 40 years for a referendum after 1975 to reconsider the decision of the British people then. Is it not now time after 20 years of devolution in Wales for the Welsh people to give us their views on whether he has succeeded or failed? Uh, well, shall we the member comes amongst us as ever in his profit of uh, doom personality. I disagree with him completely on most things uh, that he has uh, said. I've lost count of the number of times that he has shrilly urged me to respect the results uh, of a referendum. Uh, I suggest to him that he might want to do the same thing. Finally, question eight, Dallas Question is the Welsh Government taking to ensure adequate provision of GP services in South Wales East? Uh, thank the Member. Primary care services in South East Wales, as elsewhere, are provided by multidisciplinary clinical teams brought together in clusters to develop and diversify services for local populations. Uh, thank you, First Minister. I am concerned at the potential closure of a number of surgeries within my region. Last week, I wrote to the Health Board to ask for assurance that Lansby Park and Penhale surgeries will be kept open, following the news that the, that the GP there is to retire with no replacement yet appointed, and I am awaiting a response. But I am worried, however, about the general picture for surgeries in the South East, given that the BMA's GP practice heat map suggests around 32 surgeries may be at risk in the Anaerin Bevan Health Board region and 
A recent survey they conducted found that 82% of GPs in Wales were worried about the sustainability of their practices. Now, BMA Cymru says the root of the problem is due to underinvestment combined with a growing workload for GPs, and they call for a plan from the Welsh Government to train more GPs in Wales, which is a policy Plaid Cymru has long been advocating for. So could you tell me, First Minister, what assessment you would, would make of the situation in terms of GP training and recruitment in the South East region, and what action your Government will be taking to ensure adequate provision and recruitment of practitioners for the future? Uh, thank the member for that. Uh, I am uh, aware of the uh, developments of the Lansbury Park uh, surgery and grateful to my colleague Heron David for uh, reporting to me on the meeting he held last week with representatives of the Inner and Bevan Health Board on that uh, matter. So I am aware of the steps that the Health Board are making to advertise uh, for that vacancy both locally uh, and nationally and their intention to fill that uh, vacancy. Uh, I agree with the member of the importance of training places for GPs here uh, in Wales and she will be glad, I know, uh, to learn that there was a 50% increase in the number of GP training places in Gwent last year, going from 16 to 24 uh, places, providing the foundation for the GP uh, leaders in the Gwent area in the future. But primary care services are more than GPs, uh, and the clusters uh, in Caerphilly, the three clusters in Caerphilly, I think are very good examples uh, of developments that draw in that wider range of primary care, primary care clinicians uh, who are able to provide face-to-face -face and direct services. So the first contact physiotherapy service that is available through the, the Carfilli clusters means that a patient with a musculoskeletal condition doesn't have to wait to see a doctor uh, in Carfilli. They can go direct to the physiotherapist who will provide them with the right clinical uh, advice. And I think that's a very good example of how we can best sustain primary care services in Wales for the future.